0: We've got some questions about questions. We've got some tips on video. We've got a whole lot more. It's the next episode of the Learning Geeks podcast coming up now.
1: Why is it that my head starts to bob every time I hear that music? My head just oh, starts going up and down. Well, my head bobs all the time. Ah. Uh, <laughs> All right. Sorry to throw you off on your intro. Go ahead.
0: No, we were talking, well, we were talking about dad jokes in the green room here before we dove into the studio. So, you know, my name is Bob, my head bobbing.
1: We get it. We Just get not
0: it. even funny. <laughs> Let's not edit it out because this is a good example of how not to lead with a bad exactly. joke. Yep.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. All right. Okay. C- cue the music again. Let's start. This okay. Over. Okay.
0: And welcome back to the Learning Geeks podcast. Episode what 13.1 now, since it's our I second so, start. Yeah. Something like that. All right. Um, hey, we do have a bunch of things to talk about today, but one thing I wanted to start with, and I'm gonna take the uh, the tone down a little bit because this is pretty sad. Uh, but I did just want to acknowledge uh, Jake and Dana and I, we all work at Accenture, as a lot of you probably know. Uh, our CEO. Pierre Nanterme, uh, who had just stepped down from being the CEO a couple of weeks ago to focus on his health, uh, passed away yesterday from cancer. And that was it was a hard day yesterday for Accenture people. I I've never seen that group of people come together and really just kind of share with each other and, and just kind of feel that and and take on a family tone, which I I think was really healthy. So. It was just something I wanted to acknowledge and um, I wanted to share kind of in tribute to Pierre the fact that, well, you know, I, I I worked at Accenture for years and years. I left for a couple of years and then I came back. And when I came back, I noticed a real difference in the company. And I, I explained it to his friends. It was kind of like in The Grinch Who Stole Christmas in that uh, Accenture's heart grew two sizes bigger while I was gone. It just became a company that seemed to have bigger heart, uh, a stronger sense of community, and a bunch of people who really cared about each other. And I know that started with Pierre and it, it cascaded downward from him. So uh, he was a great leader and he's going to be missed.
1: And Bob, you know, in the learning field, it's always, um, the leader always sets the direction for the company as it relates to learning. And I remember one of the town hall meetings he had where he made this comment. He said that we should all have an unlimited appetite for learning and unlimited curiosity. So to me, part of the legacy that he leaves is that he's inspired all of us to be curious, to be continuous learners. And uh, I think that's just a, a, a great dimension of his legacy.
2: And that was my favorite part of him for someone that I have never, I never did get the opportunity to meet, but I was on a few projects where he was, um, very much supportive of and, and also watching very closely with. And it was through that passion for learning and being open and curious, um, as well as being truly human. He really respected uh, people and understood that it's, it's kind of dumb to go crazy and, and work yourself um, really to the bottom where you're, you're mm-hmm. just completely tired and, and out of energy And I think that direction in the last couple of years has really even influenced me for how I think of just how we do our learning events and learning sessions and how we actually learn. And um, yeah, a lot has come from him and and that just shows how good of a leader he really was. Sure. And a lot will continue to come from him uh, and both inside Accenture and
0: outside of Accenture. It was interesting to see the tweet stream today, the Twitter stream and all of the CEOs of other companies who paid their tributes to Pierre. So uh, on behalf of the Learning Geeks, we'll pour one out for Pierre uh, and know that his legacy will continue to live on. Yep. All right. Dana, I think you were going to kick us off today. Something yeah. about questions. Right. You know what my question is about that.
1: But. What is your question about that? What's your question uh, about uh, What do you want to talk about? Yeah. Right. <laughs> what do you want? That is a question. What do you want to talk it about? Uh, so, last time we talked about we just kind of introduced the theme of questions. And when we left that last podcast, I felt like there was more that we could explore as it relates to questions and the power of questions. There's been lots of books and articles written about questions. And I think, um, when I think about questions, I go back to a statement I heard when I was a graduate student at Northwestern. One of our professors made this comment. He said, a well-asked question will linger in the mind until it's answered. Um, And for some reason, that particular idea has stuck with me. Uh, And you can parse that out a little bit. Well, what is a well-asked question? And what does it mean to linger in the mind? And what does it mean to have it answered? And, you know, there's some fun gymnastics you can do with that brain. Part of the point is that our brains love a good question. Um, A good question will inspire curiosity or reflection. Um, a good question can lead to ideas and learning that we hadn't before considered. Uh, and, you know, we're a company that thrives on innovation lots of times. In fact, it might even be most of the time, innovation begins with a good question. Um, so there's a little bit of background. And then uh, as I reflect on how I've used questions uh, in a more, um, you know, with, with my family, Regularly at the dinner table, when the girls were younger and they and they were all home, uh, we would ask questions. Right, we'd be sitting around having dinner, and and initially the questions were, "Well, how was your day?" Good. All right, right.
0: <laughs> you got that out of them. Yeah. That's great.
1: <laughs> so so then it was like, "Well, what did you do today?" I had a math test. Okay, (laughs) then it evolved to more of, well, tell me about your day. Right. And then it was like, well, I sat next to a kid who usually gets picked on or our teacher blew up a volcano and some of it got on me. Right. So (laughs) the reason I use those is because the the type of question you ask is going to lead to a particular type of outcome. The first one is obviously a closed ended question or, or they turn it into a closed question. How was your day? Good. Right. What did you do today? You're kind of asking for a list. Tell me about your day is even more open and and, and more broad. So before I go any further, I've got a few more thoughts, but I'd love to hear your guys' reflections on on questions and the role of questions in, in your life and in innovation and in learning.
0: I'm struck by the fact that both of the examples you just gave are also plots of Brady Bunch episodes. <laughs> 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 hmm. Just kind of popped in my mind for whatever that's. Now heard. the Brady Bunch songs um, running through my head. <laughs> you know, the, the one thought that comes through my mind immediately while you were talking, Dana, was the spaced principle mm-hmm. in our durable learning model and the importance of white space to let your brain muddle on those questions. When you're presented with a question that your brain is is latching onto and wrestling with. Uh, sometimes you can deliberately process on it, and sometimes that's happening on the back burner subconsciously, and you need to give it time to foment. I remember when my friend Jeff was playing the game Mist. Now I'm really dating myself, but it was an old puzzle-based computer game. And he didn't have a computer, so he asked if he could borrow ours while we were away at work to play it. And we came home, and our house was immaculately clean. And we were like, oh, Jeff, thank you for doing that. You didn't have to do it. He's like, well, what I would do is I would get to a puzzle. I would get stuck on it. So then I would work on cleaning your house (laughs) until the answer (laughs) to the puzzle came to my head. And then I would sit down and I would do it again. And I know that's how my brain works a lot. And I I was just thinking, I I love that idea of presenting people a question that their brain is going to latch on to and kind of like a dog with a bone. Um, and as a learning designer, we need to allow the white space to let that happen on the subconscious level.
1: Yeah, just a little bit on that. That's a really good point, Bob. There, there's been some research done where they, they've, they've observed teachers who are newer at teaching and some who are more experienced at teaching. And when a teacher asks questions, a newer teacher, they will answer the question before the students have had time to process. So a less experienced teachers typically wait three or four seconds before they start to answer their own question, but in the observations, students need eight to ten seconds to process that a question's been asked, right? So they go, "Oh, there's silence." The teacher asked a question. They're waiting for an answer. I have an answer. I'm going to raise my hand, right? And that 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 processing takes longer than uh, a less experienced teacher will, will give it to.
2: And I, I think I think even as a learner yourself, so so whenever I'm trying to learn anything or. Just work in general, really. I think it's very easy to to not question because it's it's. I'm thinking of Dana your example of how was the how was school today. Well, it's fine. It's because it's easy to say that, right? It's it's actually it's more difficult for us, which I know from our brains. It's we have we don't want to spend the energy on the difficult, uh, not unless we have to. And when we sit down and reflect and do think of those questions, it is. It's more taxing and it is harder. But I think when you do it more, it, re- it, it forces yourself to reflect. It forces you to think about what went wrong, what went well, what could I do, why is this interesting, and always thinking questions. And that in itself is an effortful moment and effortful task, but it really can get you to remember more, do more, and be open and more curious. I think going whatever mm-hmm. you're
1: doing. Yeah, you know, and it's interesting too when you think about leadership and we mentioned Pierre earlier. Um, often leaders feel that they need to be the ones with all of the answers. But I think Pierre was a good example of someone who also had a lot of questions. And and in my experience, some of the best leaders actually come with more questions than answers. Um, and what that does is that drives the an effective leader to do more listening uh, Than talking, and that I think is a, a a key principle of leadership.
2: I think it's it's critical for a coach, uh, anybody that you're mentoring, is, is just to ask those questions and let them come up with the answers. And I, I even think of it as a teacher as well, a facilitator, a teacher, is if you do ask those really good, thoughtful questions, you get them, the the learner themselves, to be the generator of. their own knowledge and the information rather than you passively telling them or you you telling them all the time and them sitting in a passive environment constantly. Yeah. And that idea has been around for a long time, right? Like some Greek guy. Mm -hmm. Socrates, right?
1: Socrates. So one other one last thought and then we can move on to the next topic. But um, the three of us work in a function that does both research and innovation. And there are many times when we talk about falling in love with a question. And I think this notion of falling in love with a question really is the foundation of good research. And and what that means is when we are doing our research, we will be very careful about how we frame that question up, knowing that the type of question we ask, uh, you know, will will point the direction to the type of uh, either the type of people we interview, the type of questions we ask those we interview, the types of sources we go to. So uh, for research, asking the, the right question and falling in love with the question is really kind of the foundation of, uh, of, of leading to good results.
2: And I know, I know, Dana, you and I had this conversation when we were kind of prepping, and we talked about even the importance of when you are researching one, that's a, that's a great thing to do. But as a learning professional, whether or not you are a facilitator or you are a designer developer the importance of asking questions to truly understand what are you developing and what are you designing mm. for and mm-hmm. to fall in love with the the business problem or the learning problem and figure out if it is a learning problem. So fall in love with that first and then that could help you regardless of where you fit within the, the learning development process. If you're aware of that, you can believe in it, understand it and then um, when you do create or design something, you're ensuring that you're aligned more to that. And I think just that skill of just, again, fall in love with that problem up front and even throughout to constantly be connected to it, I think is a, a critical thing for any learning professional to have. It's great advice.
0: I long wondered, you know, how, how can you develop learning material around something that you don't know anything about? <laughs> right, <laughs> right, right. You know, and I, I think it's a challenge that we always have is, is we never know more about something than our subject matter experts. Um, so, but asking the questions to get yourself to, you know, to a level of conversant, um, the level where you can ask the subject matter expert, the, the intelligent questions, um, it, it really is a
1: cycle, right? right. Well, and, and yeah, it is. And I think another aspect of what Jake was mentioning there is sometimes, and, and all three of us have had this experience where we're brought into a project that's already in progress. Right. And we we're brought in because we ask the, the questions that nobody else asked. Right. Like, well, why are you doing it this way or why are you doing it that way? Or have you thought about this or what if um, and, and sometimes we're able to bring in questions that, um, you know, if they if they weren't asked, the end result would be different um, from what actually plays out just because we go in and tend to ask some of those thoughtful questions. All right. So let me just wrap up with a few thoughts. So good questions can do a variety of things It can lead to reflection. I think I heard that in some of what Bob was saying, Uh, can spark curiosity, Uh, certainly can accelerate or expand a discussion. Uh, A good question will prompt deeper thoughts or research. A good question can build relationships and explore possibilities among other things. So, uh, go ask some questions and fall in love with the question.
0: Awesome. Try to think of some good questions to come up with now. And, uh, mine's going blank. So let's just turn it back over to Jake. Okay, let's do a hard left turn. All right. So Jake, um, let, let me give some credit here, actually. So, so I'm just going to point this out, is um, Jake, who is going to talk in a few minutes, as well about the ATD technology conference coming up did a promo video for it that dude I don't think you're getting enough credit for it this thing was <laughs> awesome <laughs> it was totally awesome and you, you're gonna be humble and you're gonna be like hey, yeah, yeah but but I, I want you to post the link to it when you post the uh when you post the links to the to the pod here because um it was fantastic and, it was, and yes and, you know and, and Dana and I have both dabbled in video, but you've really kind of taken it to the next level for us as kind of the pro-mature video maker. Um, So what do you have for us, Jake? you got some ideas. Yeah,
2: well, thanks, by the way. I I love doing that video. So if you guys haven't checked it out, we will post it. I'll put it up in the description of it, as well as you can look up in LinkedIn on my profile and it's out there. But um, I just, I really love... Videos. I love. I love doing uh, like creating videos, and I just uh, so there's two things. One, I wanted to share a tip about video creation, and then I'll also talk about technology after that, since we talked about that, and do a little bit of preview since it's coming up. But for those that are, you know, starting to jump into video, or even those that want to just get better, um, one tip that really I didn't really think about until the last couple weeks was the importance of. Focus on focusing on telling a story versus sharing a memory. Um, And I'll just give you an example. So and I'm just going to set this up. This is totally a fake scenario, but I just want to give you a little bit of a background or an, an idea. So let's imagine I'm at the zoo. My youngest daughter is eating ice cream, but her face is just covered. Her shirt's a mess, but it doesn't bother her. She's in the zone. Nothing will stand in her way. From eating that cold and delicious ice cream cone. So as a uh, wonderful dad, what do I do? I pull up my my phone and my camera and I take a picture <laughs> and I share it on Instagram because I guarantee I'll probably get like <laughs> 50 plus likes. right? Um, but that right there, I just shared a memory. I just shared a moment in mm-hmm. time that was funny, of course, and it might be funny to others, but there was no context before that. Which again, I mean, not to say that everyone has to set up a story but again that's a memory and you know again two people really would people all people think that was really funny to everyone i'm sure there would be people that even judge me a little bit because i'm quote that dad right that records their kids making a mess but um it wasn't the complete story so if i were to record it and think about the story of what led up to it but what if you knew that it was hot and humid that day we were at Chicago's Brookfield Zoo, and it was crowded. There were strollers everywhere. There was confusion everywhere. The kids around us were crying because they're uncomfortable. The animals are begging for shade and relief of the pestering flies that, you know, buzz around their head and crawl at their skin. I was miserable. all but all the kids, all my kids, all they wanted were ice cream cones. So I stood in line for thirty minutes. Again, I was miserable. <laughs> but once, <laughs> But once I gave, got those ice cream cones, I gave them to my kids, instant smiles. They grab them. They start that licking process. They work fast. They're basically a licking machine, right? Just before they can, all the drops of ice cream went off. So they're, they're trying to get every last drop before that ice cream turns to soup. And But that's the story of why my daughter was a mess. All she really wanted was that ice cream cone. And that was the story that maybe was the bright light of my day, the moment when nothing else mattered and you forgot about all that other stuff that made me miserable. It was those smiles and it was just that focus of ice cream that made that that, that moment funny and a good day, right? It made me forget about everything else. That could be my story. And it wasn't a memory. That was the actual story. So what I could have done is I could have done some planning. Maybe I could have thought about how could I document those crazy strollers all over the place. How could I have recorded, you know, the me sitting in line or my face or giving me some emotion. So I could have did some planning and thought about the videos that I could have recorded all throughout the day, and then eventually capture that that beautiful moment at the end, which I wasn't recording her because she's looks like a mess. I was recording her because it was actually the bright spot of the day. So that mm. it's an idea of. Shifting your mindset when we go into maybe our learning programs, your pilot suit running or things that you're starting to test, how do you share the actual story so that we can share out the story to other people so they can feel it, they can get it, rather than just sharing maybe a memory like a picture or uh, just of one interview? It doesn't really capture the whole story. And, And I guess that's my tip. So focus on sharing stories versus just focusing on sharing memories.
0: I love it. I know it's a shocker, but I'm not going to object to the concept of a story <laughs> of using story <laughs> as a focus on your videos. You're right. I mean, and it's because we know that's how humans best process information. And it's probably a whole hour uh, webcast. I, I know I've certainly done many, many classes where I've taught that concept. So so you're spot on. The things that resonate are the ones where there's a story behind it. Yep. And, you know, I mean, you're you're right in that you can capture that moment in time and, and just like putting that picture on your Insta tells a part of the story. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, I mean, we learned that from, from the Pixar course of how you can, you can tell stories in a visual manner, but the context that you gave makes it so much richer. Right. And that's what you stand to gain is depth and richness by really
1: thinking through the, the story I was going to say I go back to that uh, the phrase that content is king, but context is the kingdom. In the second example that you gave, you gave us the kingdom, right? You gave us the layout of the zoo, you gave us the reactions of everybody because it was a warm day. But in the first instance, you just gave us the content, just the king.
2: And I think so. A, a good segue to this is going back to that video that I created for technology, which I'll preview here in a sec. But when I did that video, I I wanted to I could have easily shared out and and mention, hey, th- uh, this ATD technology Conference is coming up. Go register. Um, I wanted to do something different where I wanted to tell a story of what was happening in my life right now, which was this terrible January that we've had in terms of weather. <laughs> it's been super cold, brutally cold, actually. Uh, even, even deadly cold, given where you were. And, um, and it felt like it was day 65 of january it just felt like the longest <laughs> month so i wanted to figure out what is a way to give it a transition from that to say i'm going to go to i'm going to west palm beach i'm going to be um, learning about new things getting new perspectives and i just thought it was a a, a different way to tell that story again i could easily just put up a picture up there and 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 call the day but i did want to tell a story so but anyway, that leads me right into ATD technology. And I just wanted to quickly share a little bit about it for those that are unfamiliar with it or maybe have heard about it. But it is a conference that's run by the Association for Talent Development. And this year it is down at West Palm Beach. And it's going to be taking place here next week, which, of course, when you guys listen to this, it will probably be this week, which will be the um, on the 6th, 7th, and 8th of February. And um what I really like about this conference is that it it focuses on the intersection of technology and learning. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of future focus as well as application for today. So regardless of where wherever you are at, whether or not you're a strategic person, a technical person, or maybe a, a beginner in the field and profession, you're going to get something out of it. Um, And I personally have had the opportunity to be a program advisory committee. Uh, This is my second year. So someone that has the chance to review the submissions. I work with a great uh, team from across the U.S. to help and develop the program schedule. So it's a a really great thing. And the one preview I did want to make is that I am going to be doing a new session called a, well, it's a speed session. But I'm going to be talking about our uh, learning the future research that was based on the research that uh, Dana led. And uh, so it should be fun. It's a 25 minute topic. I'm not going to be able to do it complete justice, but it's a new format that we're doing where, you know, usually conference sessions are 60 minutes long uh, or, you know, your typical sessions are 60 minutes long and this one's only 25 and it's in a cool new hub area that we're calling it um, area where you can get coffee, networking, Uh, there's a networking lounge, there's tech showcases. Uh, It's basically just a place you can hang out, but we're going to have a stage there. So I'm going to do that. I'm going to do a meetup, um, a meetup for new people. So anybody that's new to the conference and it's right after the first keynote, I'm going to be doing a, a meetup session there and to talk about what, how we can get the best out of the conference and so on. But um, I did scan through the list of sessions as well as I was part of you know, planning it, but I only focused on merging tech and a few other areas But um, I just want to run these by you because I I really love the names and it's seriously something I, these are seriously ones I'm going to add, but I have one that's called Seven Deadly Sins of Video Creation. I really like that one. (laughs) There's uh, a hands-on machine learning Um, and these hands-on sessions here, this is what I think is great. They're two hours long. You really can do hands-on here, Um, but it's called hands-on machine learning lost into random forests with pandas. I don't know why I just I really like that, and then the the third the third it's one clickbait. is yeah, clickbait. Yeah, it, it probably is, but I I remember reading that 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 was one I did, and I remember reading it. I actually thought it was interesting, so it's not just clickbait, but it's good. Yeah, I would go to it. Uh, the third one was Wired to Grow 2.0, so critical updates in the brain science of learning, and then the uh, fourth one, and I'm pretty sure this is a hands-on one as well. Let's build an Alexa skill for learning. Mm. Um, pretty excited about that but i mean those are just four out of the many topics and i just i'm i'm really happy with how this conference is set up and i'm i also really enjoy the fact that it's a smaller form factor it's it's about i think 1200 or so people come so it's an option for us to really really network and talk with people and 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 do all that so it's a good conference so if you're heading down there i'll be down there Love to talk
1: with you. Geek out together.
2: It is a good conference. I was there last year. Yeah, I was there last year. I'm, I'm missing it this year. Sad to
0: miss it. Uh, I know it'll be great. So, Jake, you're going to be in Florida next week. Dana, you're going to be somewhere
1: else too, right? I'm I'm leaving Chicago. I'm going to be in Rome next week. Woo! <laughs> Woo-hoo! Hey, you do have to, Bob. You do, I know you you know you're enjoying the sunshine of California. You need to do a shout out to Jake and I. We just endured the coldest Chicago temperatures <laughs> in many many years.
0: Yeah, I'm sure everybody has heard the story about how it was colder in Chicago than it was in Antarctica last week. Yeah. yeah. So kudos to you guys for surviving it. Um, It's
1: a heat wave now, uh, It was four degrees a little bit ago.
2: Yeah, Bob, I'm going to be going through a hundred degree difference. So change. So from (laughs) negative 25 the other day, then till next week. So within a week, I'm going to see 75, 77 degree temperature down in Florida. A hundred degree difference. My so gosh. I'm guaranteed I'll be cold <laughs> uh, or like get yeah. a cold. I mean, yeah. We, I mean, we are, we are fighting our way through
0: winter here in Southern California. It's, it's cloudy right now. I think it's going to rain. Well, yeah, It's going to rain for the next couple of days. Yeah, I, might run, I, I might have to do my long run, Jake. I might have to do my long run on a treadmill, depending on oh, how it goes. Then, but yeah. Okay. yeah, I feel for you a killer.
1: A short run on a treadmill is a killer. Yeah. <laughs> We're both training
0: for a half marathon, which is something we could probably talk about on a later show. But yep. hey, the clock on the wall says we are about out of time. So yeah, right. you guys, great, you know, have safe travels next week, and uh, we'll—I'll keep the fort held down for you. Uh, have a great time, and thank you to everybody for listening. So, on behalf of Jake and Dana, this is Bob saying thanks for tuning in, and we'll catch you next time.
2: Thanks, everybody. Take care, everybody.